0: music mm-hmm. Galaxy listeners, we are coming to you live for the first time, trying out something different tonight for um, preparation for our 200th show, which is coming up next week. Um, so you're getting a bit of a of a preview here about what that'll be like, and we hope that you'll be able to uh, join us live as well. Um, so tonight we've got we've got four of us here. We've got uh, we've got me. We've also got Brent, got D Doc, and we've got Elfie. Brent, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing good. So I'm gonna start off real quick with uh, like an apology of sorts. So last week when we had Ryan McGee on, I made a couple statements, and I, as I think about it, I think I was projecting my wife's love of Star Wars or lack of love of Star Wars when he said that his wife caught the references. So I was giving him a hard time, more or less, saying that his wife might not have caught some of those references of like the music playing and where he heard it from. She may be a large star Wars fan that I was underestimating. And I think I was projecting my own wife's who like thinks I'm nuts for doing all of this type of stuff. Uh, Cause she totally would not have caught any of those references. So I'll start off with that. So I apologize, Miss McGee, if I did undercut you or kind of belittle your fandom. Um, I wasn't intending to, I just thought it was kind of like, I was thinking about my wife and how much she wouldn't have caught on. Uh, And secondly, I want to commend Jessica, the Duchess of Darksaber Light, for her episode with, um, oh gosh, I can't think of his name. Stephen Kent. Kent. Stephen Kent. That was probably one of the highest level discussions of the Force, Christianity, and politics, and how all of that intertwines both in real life and in the Star Wars universe. So, That was awesome and thank you very much for hosting that because I kind of said in our group text afterwards and next week, let's go back to the fart jokes because that's kind of like the level that I feel like we're at and not necessarily at the level that you and Steven were that day. It was fantastic. So thank you very much for doing that.
0: You're welcome. Thank you very much. And I I guess you can just look at it as we just need balance in all things. Uh, D-Doc, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing good. Uh, I'm excited that we're doing this little live show. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be pretty fun. I mean, there was, I watched uh, the last Mando episode twice. I always would like to try to watch them twice. Don't always get to, and I thought it was a damn good one. I even watched the one before it. So I've, I've got three Mando episodes in, and then I watched last week's Bad Batch and didn't watch this week's. But we're still going to talk
0: that. You watched I'm three episodes idiot. of The Mandalorian I, I, and you didn't watch Bad Batch. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, we all got our we got our vices.
0: We like. There's nothing wrong with watching a little. I
1: Mando. love the Bad
2: Batch too. I don't know what I'm doing. As I said, I was super excited to have two shows premiering on the same night, and it's like screwing me up for some reason. And it's really simple. Last night's Mando was 30 minutes long. The Bad Batch is 30 minutes long. I'm an idiot. That's that's just pretty much it. I, I just need to find the time to watch it. So, and you know what? I was gonna watch it during the daytime today, and. I wanted to show my kids Grogu jumping over the, the little other uh, Paz Vizsla's kid. And I, I never show them the Mandalorian yet because I think they're a little too young for it still. I would like to show them the Grogu scenes and everything like that, but they're starting to get to that age. So it caused me to watch more Mandalorian, but I'm ready to roll for tonight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sounds
0: good. And Alfie, how about you? How are you doing tonight?
4: Doing good. Uh, you know, we're lucky as fans right now. Two great episodes of two good series this week, and I'm excited to talk about
3: them. And Ragnar
4: is his name.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. That's I'm I'm wondering now if if, is it officially Ragnar Vizsla.
4: He calls him Ragnar. It was the show, and he says it's his son.
0: Yeah, so so I I just mean like has he like when that happens does he officially take his surname? I don't know. I'd assume so, but. I mean, it's not Grogu Jarin, I guess.
1: Well, then I I default to the two Mandalorian experts over here. That You guys are the ones that are Mando historians.
0: I mean, I don't know if I've ever come across a situation like this when it comes to foundlings and, and... I mean, there's so much about Mando society that we don't really know that's complicated by the fact that there's, like, the dual streams where you've got, like, Satine and bo Who are, you know, obviously biologically part of Mandalorian culture, and then you add in all the foundlings, and it's kind of like, it's hard to know exactly what the overall culture is when you have two kind of. Equal but competing streams of what it actually means to be a Mandalorian before you even get into all of the different sects and cults and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah,
4: because this week he mentioned uh, being a foundling and then moving on to an apprentice,
0: right? Yeah, that was weird. I because I, uh, you got to
1: be able to speak the you got to be able to speak the way to be able to get your and you got to prove yourself as a foundling to be able to move to an apprentice.
0: Oh, did Brett Brett go away? Oh, am
1: I freezing on you guys?
4: I think I got him. And uh, you also mentioned being his ward this week. I don't think that had been brought up yet before in any of this Mando series.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that that was kind of interesting because I suppose he actually never has officially claimed him in the way that it seems like Paz has with Ragnar. So I guess he considers him his son, but he's not officially his son yet. I do Inter- it's, it's, it's all interesting stuff. I just want an entire book all on, you know, Mando society, but I want it to come from a source that actually has authority to do it because otherwise it, I, th- I think that you get all the competing interpretations of stuff.
4: Right. And we get so focused on what was in legends and that really is kind of being rewritten now, I would say, you know, in, into Canon. So it's like we thought of things one way and now it's going in a different direction
0: I mean true though I feel like the Mandalorian story was rewritten all the way back in 2010 when when the Clone Wars did the story so um, yeah I mean I, I think that I think that there's generally the assumption that if something hasn't been retconned it's probably still um, a part of the implicit star wars lore but i also think that really nothing's safe either like there's if, if something hasn't been addressed it very well could be and it could be rewritten so i, I don't know but how about we talk a bit more in depth about uh, the last mandalorian episode since that's that's at least one that we've all watched so uh who wants to start who wants to give a uh, general impressions of this episode
2: Oh, I could start, I guess. Uh, Did anyone else laugh their asses off when it started off with everybody just training on the beach and just, like, firing their weapons into the water and just, like, (sighs) beating each other up and, you know, wrestling each other? It's like, I, I guess it was almost like you know, like the Spartan training grounds. But the thing that cracked me up the most was them just shooting their weapons into the water, just like it's a firing
3: range,
4: basically. Yeah, it, it's just like me when I, I go to the property now. You, you know, just go in the back and just start shooting at stuff. I mean, it would, I guess you know, that's what you do.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was a really fun start. And, uh, you know, just another look into, like, what these guys do. I mean, they're just in the middle – of the desert, just, uh, hanging out and training. I mean, like, I don't know, I guess, do they ever plan to go back to Mandalore or do they just plan to train on this planet okay. or whatever? Like, okay. what are they doing? <laughs>
0: okay. That's my big problem here. What is the point? What is anybody doing anymore? Because the thing is, is that go back to season two and listen to what bo says when they first meet. She talks about building a force, retaking Mandalore. The idea of retaking Mandalore implies that it's occupied. There's somebody there. But then in the finale, Boba has the comment about the planet's been glassed. Nobody really knew what that meant. And especially when Bo was still talking about like going back, like she tells... See, this is is what annoys me is that I don't think that Favreau watched season two again before he wrote season three because bo katan who i trust her i I trust her knowledge of what mandalore um is like far more than boba we don't even have any canon um you know evidence that boba's ever been to mandalore but bo is the one who says basically you don't know what you're talking about like like Uh, like she kind of pushes back when he says it's glassed so i've just always assumed that whatever he's talking about that there's something to reclaim and then we got book of boba fett which seemed to be like okay well sundari has gone and so now the thing is is that the thing that bothers me is that there's no planet to retake there's there's no there's no homeland to find on that planet so, regardless of the dark issue, Bo-Katan's entire character motivation was stripped away, and there wasn't really, like, the, there wasn't really a reason for it. So now, now all we really have is like all of these dispersed Mandalorians, and a dark saber that has the potential to, to uh, unite them, but we don't really know what they're doing after that.
1: So I had a couple things. One, is it possible that it's not talking about retaking Mandalore as a physical planet and taking Mandalore as in reuniting the Mandalorians, right? So reclaiming what, what it means to be Mandalore. So that is where I'm going with that thought as my, as my pushback, as you were speaking was like, it could be the metaphysical, the metaphorical, I need to reclaim metaphor, uh, reclaim uh, Mandalore. Um, And so, yeah, she did have all of that motivation because the build, the, the planet is wiped, but she still wants to, she still wants to lead the group of Mandalorians. Well, fine, that- you
0: can, you can retroactively think that, but watch the episode. It certainly doesn't sound like that.
1: Oh, sure. And then the other thing, what was I, there was another piece that I was going to, but go ahead, Alfie, while I try to think of where I was going with my other
4: piece. I agree with you, Jessica, because the first time we meet Bo- Bo-Katan, she talks about how they are uh, intercepting the... The shipments, Mm -hmm. and that the Imperial weapons will be used in retaking Mandalore. Yep! And then they take the ship, and you know, one one little piece that I've never seen come back is when they do take the ship, uh, the commander says, ask Moff Gideon to send the fleet.
0: That's what I'm saying! I don't think that Favreau remembers what he wrote.
4: Now, also... On the flip side, though, it could also be that like Brent is saying, she's preparing because once she knows that she claims Mandalore again and raises the Darksaber and all that stuff, that immediately they're going to be attacked by some force. You would assume the Empire, but or when, they, the Imperial when they claim Redmond. what? Well, like when, let's say, you know. Whenever she puts out the uh, you know Autobots you know come to Earth call and you know all the Mandalorians show up from out in the stars and all of a sudden they're assembled again Is anybody else getting really bad feedback
0: Yeah Is does somebody have a, a It's probably me background? Yeah Dead that's
1: it is you, Brenton.
2: <laughs> Just mute on me when... at this
1: point I'll probably peace out cuz there's nothing I can do about it
0: well, just, no, just, just mute, just mute yourself unmute. until you until you want to talk.
2: Yeah, when you talk, it sounds perfectly clear, Brent. It sounds like, I don't know, there's just like a fuzz when you're not, for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why it's not balancing it.
4: Okay.
3: But that, the point
4: I'm making, though, is also trying to think around the problem of stuff that they've already established in <clears throat> kind of hinted at that hasn't happened. Yes, I was in the camp that at some point they would show up at Mandalore and this Imperial remnant fleet would be sitting there waiting for them. Exactly. Obviously, that's not happening. So looking back at it, could you take it to mean that, hey, once we show our strength, they are going to attack? I don't know. But yeah, I agree that that doesn't seem a whole lot of direction. And why the heck did they choose this planet anyway to live on? I mean other than I guess it is perfect training ground for Mandalorians but um doesn't necessarily seem the safest place for a group that's trying to build its numbers back up then I mean having... they've only
0: they've only been there since season 1 cuz they had to leave for, in season 1
4: right but they you know paz said that this bird raptor thing has taken multiple times it's attacked them and taken mandalorians away i'm just saying you know They're already small enough. Why would you want to pick a planet where every day a couple of you are going to die from the turtle, crocodile, or this raptor thing?
0: I think the answer is that Favreau is obsessed with monster scenes. Have you counted the number of times in this show, and especially in season three, where they're fighting monsters?
4: Yeah,
2: it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely do like, like the monster fighter situations, which like that did happen early on too. Like, I don't know. It's like, I've seen, I've definitely seen some discourse with this season so far on Twitter, like whether it be people who don't want Grogu to be in it anymore, they think he should have went away and it should just be about Din or the fact that this is, this season seems to be more about Bo-Katan now, more than it seems to be about Din, which like I don't know. To me, it's like I think we take that a bit more seriously just because it's live action where Filoni technically used to run off on different storylines for his animated shows all the time. So maybe like maybe we're just going to be telling like this certain story right now. I mean, there's a bigger there's a bigger story definitely to be moving in on this season because it's like we got pirates early on and then like we saw that guy with the green beard. There's no way that's the last time we're seeing him this season or those pirate fighters, but it's like, I don't know. I guess people are kind of getting to the point where they're like, you know, what's, where's this season going? Whatever. Which like, I think the other seasons kind of were like this too. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think like we kind of were on an adventure. We were trying to figure out who Grogu was or whatever, but there was a lot of levels of mystery when those were going on live. I'll say like, where, like, Questioning where it's going. I mean, when's the first time Moff Gideon even showed up, uh, like in the first season? I need to do a, a rewatch, but like, the, I don't know. I remember just feeling last
4: two episodes. The last two
0: episodes. Yeah,
4: like I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think I, this goes back to our this. kind con- I'm sorry, Jessica, to cut you off.
0: No, no, say what you want.
4: I think this goes back to this constant discussion we have of, do you release everything all at once or a, once a week? And we're getting so used to being able to just go to the next episode now that that void in the week, because this show is so good, and we want to know what's next. It's a you know it's it's a double edged sword here. Yes, it gets us talking, and we get to have these discussions about everything. But then again, it eats at us that we don't know exactly what's happening next, and we start the question of. Well, I, yeah, now I think this is just filler episode. But in three episodes, you may look back and say, oh, now it all makes sense.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'll be honest. I'm I'm very underwhelmed. I'm very disappointed in all of this. Because, yes, the first two seasons had a lot of mystery. The first season was kind of the introduction to this world and this premise. And that's fabulous. Season two was this let's find the Jedi, you know, adventure where Din was realizing that there are other Mandalorians out there that don't look like him and season 3 we knew was going to have a lot of Bo-Katan so the thing is is that there's been a lot of mystery in this show but it's always been because Din has been apart from people who actually know about the history that's been hidden from him and so whether or not they like I, I don't know what they're doing with this plot I don't know I'm, I'm I'm even annoyed with the fact that there's like no tension between any of the characters right now Um, Which I wasn't expecting from this last episode. But the bigger thing is that they're focusing so much on all of this action at the expense of actually giving us any new information. And that really just doesn't have to be the case. Because they're in a situation where, like, they're just living together now. Like, they are having conversations. And Bo-Katan should be the one talking to him about Mandalorian history. How we got into this this uh, situation that we're in now and yeah part of that comes from the fact that like I'm just wondering why there's no mention of Bo-Katan's sister but even more than that I'm really annoyed by the fact that they seem to be like trying to string out mystery when there are so many questions that this this show raises that they never get around to talking about. It's things like, how did Bo-Katan lose the Darksaber in the first place? Like, you know, what if, what's what been going on since the last, um, that we saw Bo in, in Rebels? Like, like we, we've heard about the Purge, but we haven't really gotten any kind of face for what happened. Like, she hasn't told that story. And so I think the thing that I'm just annoyed by is the fact that we are halfway through the season now, and we haven't gotten really anything new than what we had in season two. And I've always just been annoyed that they seem to be very stingy on new information.
2: No, I I can definitely agree like with points you're making, because I think part of it is, is that uh, Andor was a very slow burn and like, also, I don't know. I had my own disappointments with Kenobi and it's like, Mando's the show that never lets us down. Like it, it, like that's how it felt. And I guess like since they're kind of like doing, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, so much about Mandalore and all the points that you're making is why, why is Bo-Katan not asking these questions and everything and, and kind of acting differently. I mean, she did change like pretty quickly to where she's just kind of like, oh, like, I, I guess part of it maybe could be that she's just seeing how Mando is being with him for a little bit more time and maybe she's thinking she was wrong about what she thought about their little sect of mandalorians mm. but um yeah i don't know it definitely is I, I i have quite i have asked the question where where are we going here you know we've we've seen pirates you know who's the big bad if moff gideon was arrested which obviously something's going on with the mind flayer or whatever which sounds like it's from stranger things when i heard that thing but oh, uh God. yeah i don't I don't know. It's, it's interesting so far. The dragon was cool.
1: <laughs> so the other thing that I was thinking about was when you said that her motivation has been ripped away in some ways that is part of like the hero's journey that she may be going on because going into a cave or coming out of a cave, a rebirth, a symbolism of rebirth is part of the hero's journey. So going into the waters, the soothing waters of Lake Minnetonka could have been that metaphorical entering into the cave and rebirth into something new to where she's like oh I might have been thinking about this in the wrong way to where she is now changing her motivations um that's and that is an interpretation that you can take on it that's what I was trying to think of when you guys were talking and when I was my, my second point but I will mute again
0: I mean, I think that that's a good point. I mean, I think that, yeah, she's going on a journey in this season, and, and Katie Sackhoff has said that the season is very much Bo trying to figure out who her family is, and so that means that you know, she's she's, I mean, she she loves Grogu. I mean, it's very, Bo-Katan Kreeze is momming so hard, and I love it so much. She loves that little green gremlin, and she claimed him as soon as he showed up alone on her doorstep. But, she doesn't have a home yet with children of the watch i do not think that she wants to stay with this cult that that she, she doesn't believe what they believe but on one hand she doesn't have anywhere else to go and so i i get that like that's kind of the tension this season but at the same time like i'm i'm just not sure if we're seeing that either like like tell tell me this what did we learn from Bo Katan's point of view in the last episode. Because we we have her walking around, but I was I was very much expecting a lot of exposition and a lot of tension between her and Paz Vizla. He clearly knows who she is, and that's that's pre-Vizla 2.0, like like right down to the fact that John Favreau voices both of them and we just didn't get any kind of like tension between that like they're talking to each other i just i don't know i'm just not sure what we're learning about her
1: i disagree with you when you say that she doesn't really want to join them because why else would she put the mythosaur on her shoulder at the same time as having the owl she could have had, had the owl she could have had nothing but she chose at the very end to put the mythosaur on her shoulder plate that is to me signifying that she wants to join that cult that she is starting to understand that is that Mandalorian is more than is more than just the dark saber more than just having the culture that she had that there is more to it there are multiple different sects coming together in but my the mind isn't, actually...
0: the, Myth- the mythosaur isn't children of the watch is sigil the armorer says the, the mythosaur belongs to everybody
1: correct but everyone on that is in that if you look at all the pauldrons and you look at what they put on grogu's chest everything has the mythosaur on it
0: yeah i i, I interpret it more that I mean, she saw a mythosaur. <laughs> like, like, this is kind of changing her. Like, 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 we don't know if she's planning to use this in some way, but, like, I, I see it more of, like, she's aligning herself with this strange creature that, like, she's seen and nobody else has.
1: Okay, and I'm also, I, the way I'm interpreting it is that she's aligning herself with the creature that is also, the rest of the group is aligned with that same creature. So she's trying to bridge those gaps and bridge those divides in her own mind.
0: That was my interpretation. Okay. Elfie. Oh, I, I think Alfie. you're muted.
4: My bad. Sorry about that. Uh, I really thought that the dinner scene around the fire, you know, kind of had some symbolage to her journey here and why she's, I guess, the change in her character. To me, it was when Paz Vizla said, you know, you're the leader of this war party, you get the honor of sitting by the fire while everyone else goes off to be able to take their helmets off to eat. That's kind of, to me, it was almost like she got what she's always been looking for. But then again, she's no longer the leader, but she did have that respect from these Mandalorians just by being the leader of this war party. And she got to sit by the fire. Um, where her story's going i'm i'm like with you jessica i i don't really know i i really thought there was going to be something more to mandalore i was really surprised that we got that in what the second episode and you you gotta think there's something more here eventually and i don't know i i, I hope it pays off
0: i i do too i mean i want to believe that there's a plan but i'm sorry like i'm i'm really kind of getting cynical that i mean favreau has said they're not building to anything and i i think that believing that there's deeper symbolism to some of these things like i'm honestly getting a little bit cynical that there is but i'm hoping that it'll be satisfying i'm hoping that it'll be more exposition heavy where we're actually going to get more context in the next couple of episodes and i, I mean i guess my my biggest thing is that honestly Bo-Katan's story, like whether or not you're as obsessed as I am, like she is the main character in terms of like like she has a story to tell, and it's kind of annoying to me that her story is subsumed into Din's. Like that's just kind of what happened. You know that Favreau wanted to tell this story called The Mandalorian. Katie Sackhoff was the one who said, "Hey, Dave, my character's still alive. Why don't you bring her in?" and like I I'm glad that she's there I'm glad that we're getting some of this but I also just think like there's a there's a good reason why people are being like oh it's bo story now and it's like yeah it kind of is because she's got a lot more conflict and a lot more history and a lot more going on with her than Din does because I mean honestly I've always seen Din as Din's not really a character Din is more of a proxy for the audience and he's kind of a blank slate so he, the things that he gets told about mandalore especially is also what the audience is getting told and so i just i just i I honestly don't know if this show three seasons in is anything more than just a way to get people caught up with what happened in the clone wars and rebels in case they haven't watched and i know that that sounds really cynical but that's the truth
4: yeah, that is pretty much Din's character because he, you know, what's a Jedi? Does this look like Jedi stuff? You know, he, he always kind of tells the 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 story for the people that aren't caught up. You know, if that makes sense.
1: So, is there something spiritual that happens when you guys when they watch the armor being made? Um, because if you go back to season one, uh, Din Jarin had a flashback as they were making and turning his Beskar into his armor. And Grogu starts having a flashback. When so, is there some sort of not only is it like mythical and the Beskar important, but is there something in it that like mesmerizes them and makes them have flashbacks? I'm just so it's not like the flashback to, but it's our way of. I know it's a plot device, but it was also my way to move forward in the story and have a little conversation about some other stuff that happened.
0: D doc,
2: no, I I definitely think that's a possibility. I mean that that's like one section of this episode that we actually like totally haven't even hit yet which is like freaking awesome the the flash ball well, it's not awesome for grogu because he obviously has some level of ptsd uh like from what happened to him because his face started getting all sad and everybody's just like what's going on with grogu over there um <clears throat> yeah i don't know that's a that's a good point uh one thing i did want to touch on though and i'm kind of going back on the topic is like i i've Right, right before this show, I was actually reading a little thread on Okairo's, um Twitter, and it was like people were talking about the fact that uh, this group is called a cult because kind of Bo kind of like labeled them as that. But at the same time, maybe she just really didn't know what it was like to be around them and see that like maybe they're not that crazy. I mean, one of, if, you, if you really think about it, one of the craziest things that they technically do is they don't remove their helmet or whatever. Um, uh, but really, other than that, it seems like they're kind of just like a tight-knit family that's not going to let each other down. Don't get me wrong. They're a little bit weird. Like, they definitely are. But maybe they're not as bad as like it's made out to be. It might just be speculation, and now that she's spending some time around them, uh, she's just like maybe these guys aren't that bad. I mean, maybe you know, maybe I could. I mean, she is saying this is the way now, and she's like, "What do I do with my helmet?" Like, she's like, "I don't know." It's, 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 it's definitely interesting. I don't know. She, it, it makes me feel like they're not a cult, kind of the way she's joining them. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know what you guys think about that. But
0: I mean, if anybody knows what a cult is, it's Bo-Katan Krees. She was, a, no. she was pre-Vizsla's second in command. She was all in in that's Death true. Watch. I mean, and see, that, that that's the problem is that how can we know what's going through Bo's mind when part of what we've always wondered is who are the children of the Watch? Is this Death Watch 2.0? For me, I've always assumed that... I mean, he was, he was rescued by Death Watch. Technically, he should have met Bo-Katan. She was probably there on his planet. I've always assumed that the children of the Watch are the you know death watch the next generation who were sent away maybe at the same time that pre Vizsla and maul were taking mandalore and that that's where the cutoff happened but we just don't know anymore and so we can't really tell anything about what's going on until we get more context there Brent,
1: i would just i was just gonna say i have absolutely no preconceived notion of what any of this is because the clone wars meant like very little to me and like so i have no i'm going based upon like you said I'm a conduit. I am Mandalorian. I am the Mando who gets told everything from there. I know nothing about any of the depth of what you're getting into. So I'm talking about it as like the everyman who watches this with no pre. So I have no idea where you're going. So the story that you're talking and you're wanting is not even formed in my brain. I have no idea where it's going. I have no idea to be let down. I, I'm watching it as it goes along and I have no idea of where it should go or where it did go. And none of that history is anywhere near my knowledge level. I'm I'm just watching it and enjoying it.
0: But see, that's kind of the thing, and that because that's fine. Like, I think that John and Dave have even talked about, like, you know, they're telling a story for two different groups. They're telling the story for the casual viewers, and they're telling the story for the diehard fans. The problem is, is that truly for the diehard fans, especially in terms of Mandalore, that's the thing, is that I don't think that we've gotten anything new. I truly feel like, other than a little bit that we've gotten um, in episode 2 this season, I don't know anything more from the Mandalorian in regards to Mandalore as a whole than I do from the Clone Wars and Rebels. They're playing very stingy, and the thing is is that the problem with that is that when you have the majority, like, let's just say that 98% of your your viewers are just the kind of casual viewers who watch something and then like never think about it again, which is absolutely insane to me. But I hear that people do that. And so like the thing is is like just, just like you, like like they're they they do not know. And so for them, drawing out the idea that Bo Katan has a past but never actually saying what it is actually is tension filled. For people who already know her story, it's not. And so that's where I just kind of go if you're telling two stories how do you tell them in a way that it's both not overwhelming for the people who don't already know what's already canon but how do you how do you keep the 2% engaged who have already done the work and who have who, who and, and, and the bigger thing is the people who have been engaged in engaged Basically, through the last 15 years, you know, for the the casual viewer, it was the prequels and then it was the sequels and everything else in between all of the Clone Wars and then Rebels and through the Disney merger. That's stuff that most people aren't aware of. But I just kind of go, you've got a lot of people who do know that stuff. So how do you keep them engaged when, yeah, you're catering to the 98 percent, but... Oh, you're losing me, John. You're losing me, Dave. Just introduce one plot point, please.
1: They they did introduce a plot point. They introduced Grogu's backstory, which is what I'd like to have a That's conversation not a plot about point. now. It doesn't change that a plot, anything. It's moving the no, Grogu's it's story it's, forward. You
0: no, plot point is something that moves Grogu.
1: us. You're moving Grogu's story forward. We every for two seasons everybody wanted to know where how who saved him, who saved him, Mace Windu saved him. No, it was Jar Jar
0: who saved him. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't change the story itself. So I, I agree. Like, it's a, it's a nice little moment. But knowing that that Keller and Beck was the one who saved him, like, that that satisfies some people, but it doesn't actually change anything in the story. So that, that's what I mean by a story point, like a plot point. Backstory and those kind of moments, that's great. But that's where I'm just kind of like, four episodes in, what are we doing? But I'll stop talking about that. Yeah. So let's <laughs> talk about... Talk about Grogu's back, uh, backstory, Keller and Beck and and everything that we saw in that, that moment. What did you guys think?
2: I want to hear Alfie's thoughts on this first. I'm going to put you on the spot, Alfie. What, what did you think of that? Uh?
0: Well, you know,
4: uh, let's see here. I think I, I put my thoughts out on our group chat at like 4 o'clock in the morning or something. You know, I mean, who... You know, these guys were one, they were trolling us in a sense because they've read, you know, the the, the nonstop theories in the, the big one being Mace Windu, because, you know, for a, a blink of an eye there, people were saying, thinking in their minds, that's Mace Windu when the door opens up for just a split second. And it wasn't. And I mean, really, I thought it was pretty amazing to go that deep with a character that hardly anybody knows i mean what was that in anybody's top 10 of who would save grogu <laughs> and then then to see you know the gunships live action gunships live action clones uh the clone war speeders uh coruscant again the naboo uh, royal ship I, I can't remember the exact name of it it's not the same as the one from episode one but I think it was in episode two and three. I, I saw the name of really it today.
2: Well. I forget the name of it.
4: And uh, to answer your question, Brent, about the aspect of making the armor, why does it cause flashbacks? I was going with the armor's explanation of shaping ore into their armor. And if you think about it, each time we've had a flashback, it's been a very traumatic experience for each character that's essentially made them stronger
0: where's bo katan's flashback why didn't she have a flashback that's what i wanted
4: (laughs) damn i didn't even think about that because she's going (laughs) forward we're moving bo katan's story forward true she watched them like
1: yeah grogu had one Din had one bo didn't have one she she
2: she does have a different presence in front of the armor i'll say though like, she she doesn't feel as, like, intimidated by her, I'll say. I don't know. I almost felt like Bo kind of talked to her as, like, an equal, basically. Whereas, like, Din basically just doesn't want to get in trouble every time he's around her, it feels like. And Grogu is just still learning the way. So, <clears throat> I don't I know. I mean, she that, is
0: a former Mandalore. I yeah. Mean, she's, she's got some authority, whether the armorer recognizes that or not.
2: There we go, Doctor Squatch got us the Nubian, uh, uh, Nubian class or whatever. Nubian, eh? Doctor Squatch, you you've been great on the chat, by the way. I laugh every time I share your comments down there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I
0: I think that bringing Caluron back in. Um, I think that there's always a matter of like, I mean, I mean, literally, I think that Dave just made a comment about how, like they they are aware of what the fans are talking about and then you that you know you want to subvert expectations but also address some things not address other things like like they're aware i i don't know if we were like if they wanted to go all out and make people think it was mace they could have given him the purple lightsaber kalen's supposed to have a purple saber and they didn't give him one they gave him a green one um so that tells me that they they weren't trying to trick people Um, But I do think that it was a subversion of expectations because who would who on earth would think that the answer to the question we've been asking is a character that wasn't even canon before this last this last episode. And so I I really appreciate that. Like, I mean, I I think that it was a, a good subversion of expectations because it's kind of like, okay, like, cool we were just all wrong like that that's kind of fun but um m- more so like i'm just really glad that ahmed best has the chance to come in as another canon character and really reap the effects of a fandom that has in general come to really appreciate a lot about the prequels and even you know but even more than that just at least recognize that we shouldn't be causing actors to want to take their own lives because of a fictional performance so i'm i'm really glad that he's getting that i'd i'd uh, love to see more
1: i also like to see the fact that he's brought in in a way other than being the host of star wars double dare so i mean that was like the only other that was how he was introduced as that character was that host of star wars double dare or whatever you want to call it i don't know what the name of it was
2: yeah, I mean, he I, I was very happy to see that, too. And it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of weird people out there. It's like if a character is not my favorite character in a movie, I'm not going to go find the actor's Twitter and tell them that they're like worthless or whatever. And the fact that the discourse even got back to them as much as it did during the Phantom Menace time, it's like the Internet was still kind of like still a little bit in its beginning stages it's not what it is today it wasn't as easy for that stuff to get back to you and that that stuff did affect them back then so i was happy to see him come back plus he was badass with wielding those dual lightsabers i actually didn't even realize uh until i watched it the second time that he picked up the other saber of that um other jedi who was killed so i thought he had two lightsabers from the rip but he did uh he did grab one of them which uh was was there any meaning uh, uh, like uh with the four jedi who were facing the clones that were coming in through the door like Not what that I of. because did they make it look like a lightsaber was cutting through that wall and wasn't it just clone troopers like there was Anakin wasn't with them
0: there like what, yeah. they were definitely th- that was in the 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 th- that was definitely what i call a promo um uh, shot like that's that's it that's the reason why it was there because it was in the promos and you're supposed to think that a lightsaber is going down through the door. I actually thought, like, when people were saying, oh, this is Grogu's Order 66 flashback, I actually thought, no, what if it's a flashback to the Darksaber being stolen from the Jedi Temple? Because it it looks like the same image when we see the Darksaber cutting through, um, when Moff Gideon cuts out of the ship, like when we first see the Darksaber in live action in season one. So I was like, I wonder if this is, pre um ancestors stealing the dark saber out of the temple
2: yeah uh, yeah it's yeah it was a, it was an interesting scene i love seeing live action clone trooper armor too when they're not cgi'd that is one thing that is really cool to see it's something new to star wars because there wasn't a single real clone trooper outfit in any of the prequels they were all cgi'd so <clears throat> to see those guys coming out was pretty cool um, people also brought up the fact uh, I saw an interesting thing on Twitter where they were saying they should have had Senator Jar Jar at that on that ship, which would have been kind of cool. It technically could have made sense. He, he, you know, he was, he was a Senator at that time. He could have been there too. You could have, you could have doubled down actually and brought Jar Jar back as well. And also some, I'm seeing some of the Darth Jar Jar fans out yeah, there bringing that's why stuff you didn't see too. it. You know, yeah. Dark
4: Jar Jar is definitely. You think Grogu's safe, but he's actually going to Dark Jar Jar. Possibility. Funny.
0: (laughs) Well, any other thoughts on the episode in general?
1: So the Naboo security force was afraid of the droids and their battle hardened Federation army, but yet were able to take on the clones coming out of the LAAT and did a pretty good job standing up to those guys. So I'm not sure what Captain Panaka was talking about back in Episode 1. So was it wasn't Panaka in Episode 1, right?
4: Well, or Tanaka? Panaka. Panaka. But they had a whole blockade above their planet. There was lots of battle droids. That was just one gunship. True.
1: It was and, they're also,
0: and they're also not being targeted. Order 66 doesn't target non-Jedi.
1: Yeah, but they were shooting at them.
0: Well, they yeah, had the, the after, element of surprise. What'd you say, Alfie?
4: That the element of surprise because, like you're saying, they weren't being targeted first. So they got to shoot the clones first. Yeah. Before they would turn on them.
0: Because because they didn't start firing on them until after they were protecting a Jedi. I don't think.
4: Right. And you would think that a Jedi that especially Grogu was they understood what they were supposed to do was yeah. get him off of that landing platform.
1: And I also like how the bark speeder did a little bat turn on the square with the rock. And uh, what I don't know, you guys will tell me what the name of the square is because it's not coming to my brain. But the where homeboy Pershing was trying to touch the rock
4: Memorial he does Plaza a bat
1: turn. There you go. He does a little yeah. bat turn in that plaza. So it kind of tries in some ways to connect that plaza to what was going on with Grogu's escape. And then the other callback to episode one that I thought was kind of funny um, was when the pterodactyl got caught by the uh, the lizard in my brain. I said, there's always a bigger fish. So like that was yeah. just kind of I'm sure there were I'm, I'm sure that was part of the reason why they had that thing come up and eat the other one was to have somebody say that. But it was always in my head. So, yeah.
0: Well, I'm wondering what's going to happen with the little baby pterodactyls because Bo took them and brought them back. Why do you and keep ate- them? Well, well, she'll be well, badass to ride well, in the finale. Is, she's Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> and those are her dragons.
2: That's true. There's 3 of them.
0: That's those are her dragons. And but the thing that I'm wondering is how big is the hold in the comrick? Like, how? I,
2: that was them? I was thinking, too. How, how did you, you keep them still while you were driving? Like, come on. Was the guy just sitting there holding the meat the whole time? Like, Harry, this thing up and freaking land. These things are about to like. Well, I just I just ship.
0: imagine like like we've seen spaceships like you usually like enter in and then like there's a little hold and then, you know, you can go one side to the other. And I'm just like imagining like all these huge like baby pterodactyls <laughs> stuffed into a, a hallway And then they like come out because, like, it's not an open space, but somehow they got them all in there.
2: That would have been an appreciated shot on the uh, art at the end of the show, is if they just showed a little clip of them inside the ship with like R5 like sitting there with like all of those little baby pterodactyls around them.
1: So Boba's gonna ride the Rancor. Bo's gonna ride, is Bo gonna ride the Mythosaur or is she gonna ride her pterodactyl? Dan is Dan gonna ride the Mythosaur? Like, so we're gonna have like a full-on like Mothra, King Kong, Godzilla moment at some point.
0: Hopefully, hopefully we have something going
2: on. We'll see. He likes his he likes his monsters, as Jess was saying earlier. He definitely likes his monsters in the
3: show.
0: And that's fine, I just, like, like it's, it's the fact that, like, we've only seen Bo-Katan wield the Darksaber once, and she had to do it against a droid, because, I don't know, it would have been too much to ask for her to, to like, have us see it while she's actually wielding it against someone else, so, I don't know, <laughs> it's fine. Bad Batch!
1: To sum up your point, like, you just want to see more Bo and have more detail with Bo.
0: I just want more Mandalorian context. I just I, I I'm I'm desperate now that we're finally now that Din finally has a permanent link to people who know Mandalore's history. There is really no reason to keep the like him in the shadows or the audience anymore. So when mystery is justified, okay. So this is the thing. I I, I used to be a, an intern at a a regional theater, and. One of the things that I had to do was to to review scripts that people sent in that you know were, were things that you know like we didn't we didn't ask them to do that, but everybody does that. And the person that I was working under told me that her number one rule of story is that if your conflict if your conflict occurs just because your characters won't talk to each other, it's probably not good conflict. And that's the thing where it's like, Right now, we don't really have any conflict at all, but the, the, the bigger picture here is that I think that if and when Bo does start to talk about these things, it's going to create conflict, but it, ha- it hasn't happened yet because nobody will talk to each other. And that's what I just don't really get. I don't really know why they're being so stingy. That's what, really what I want going forward.
1: I feel like that that's the Mandalorian culture is to not communicate, to communicate as little as possible. Like I, that's at least the, in the, in, in, the last three seasons, that is what I've kind of picked up is the Mandalorian culture is secretive. I don't know anything about the Clone Wars culture, right? Like I don't know because that's not something that I studied. That's not something I got into, but from watching the Mandalorian, the, what I'm getting from, from post Clone Wars, from post Imp, or Dust 2 the Mandalorians just don't talk to each other. There's there's not much communication, or the ones that are around don't communicate.
0: The ones that are around, Din's Din, children of the Watch don't communicate because they are keeping Din's history from him. That's definitely, I mean, the Mandos are not... I don't, even think, it, I don't even think it's
1: that. I just think they don't talk to each other. I really just think part of what the culture of the way that they have created is to
4: communicate when it's necessary.
2: Yeah, like when like you decide get the
4: backstory when they're making armor. So I think somebody's gonna have to have a serious piece of armor made.
2: Or when you decide the... to clumsily run across a, a a big dragon's nest, and then you just yell, "That's my son!"
0: <laughs> <A> worthless man. <laughs>
2: wait hold on a second that's
0: my son it's like you could have told us that when we
2: were around the campfire all right like you didn't need to wait till we were up here to tell us that like i feel like knew. <laughs>
0: i feel like pre was just as emotional but he was actually competent
2: yeah yeah you're right
0: <laughs> oh funny well we're gonna have more you know an episode next week we'll have more to talk about um yeah we want to get into bad batch
3: yeah,
2: yeah, don't worry about me. I'm going to watch it after this, but uh, if I, if it's spoiled for me, it doesn't matter. I had the last episode. I listened to Brent and Joe talk about it and then said I didn't watch it yet because I don't know. It's like a whatever. We already well, got into
0: this. At least we can't spoil It's another you sit too episode.
1: Much. It's okay. It's another sit episode. Don't worry yeah. about it.
2: Uh, no, I know that it's, it's what is it called? Uh, Breaking point or shatter point or something like Tipping that. Tipping point. Tipping point, tipping point. And I know that it probably has something uh, to do with Crosshair, according to Twitter today. So That's
0: something you, you guys go everybody. about
2: it. I'm going to hang out in here and just listen. Do not worry about spoiling anything for me. I should have watched the show. It's my fault. So you guys hit it and, and I'll, just, I'll just listen to it and then watch it for myself.
0: Alfie, you want to go?
4: Quick question before we really get into it. Are they on Scarif?
0: Yeah. Pabu's on Scarif.
2: I did see that theory that they're like running some tests and that's what Hold caused up. the
1: tidal wave.
0: I don't think that, I mean, it's, oh, oh, that, that's the theory. Yeah, I, I, I think it is canon though that they're on Scarif.
1: So Pabu is on Scarif. Yeah. Where did that
0: come from? From canon, I guess. They, I don't.
2: Yeah, they showed the planet from them entering it. And then there was like, I saw a side by side picture of them and they're like identical. Like, I don't know that they ever mentioned that it's Scarif, but. The the planets definitely.
4: Yeah, like I didn't kind of see cool. any of the side by side stuff, but just watching these two episodes, it just like clicked. It's like, damn, are they on Scarif? But, so remote, but okay, so I get tropical.
1: But I get the fact that what you're saying is the 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 earthquake or whatever because they're testing something. But is like that's where the Death Star is being built above, but they haven't started on that yet, have they? Because Andor I mean, is when like there's well, I get I, they. But the Ditch, see, that's where I get confused,
4: right? The, because the des- dish, The, the canon dish Death Star dish, is so was- confusing because it's been... Like, the story has changed so many times with Rogue One in comics and novels in Episode 2 and Episode 3 because originally Episode 3 the Death Star you see is just a prototype. And... I I don't want to get all into it but it, it is very confusing what is the actual death star and when does it get moved to Scarif
1: cuz that's what it, like cuz if it is the earthquakes and nice there, there's a cool little connection there in the background that like honestly I had no idea it was a cool remote planet could have been octu or whatever the wherever that was too like I Pabu was Pabu I I thought it was an island based planet so
3: I I didn't mean you know, know anything. You-
0: you know, you're you're right. I I I thought it was canon. No, when when I saw people talking about it, I thought that they were saying for sure that it was canon. But what I'm seeing now is that you know, Wikipedia is not saying that it's on Scarif, um, and this the you know two episodes ago was when Pabu was was uh, introduced. I kind of ha- I was under the assumption that maybe it was, uh, something that was referenced you know in a book or something like oh Pabu's this island on on Scarif. Maybe that's where people were getting it from, but. Obviously, whoever I was talking to was they, they were speaking a lot more authoritatively than they probably should have been.
4: <laughs> I just thought, you know, especially in this episode, when they talk about like how remote they were, no one's ever going to find them. But seeing, you know, this planet, I'm like, wouldn't it be like just a coincidence if they think they're hiding out, but they're actually hiding out on scare?
1: So- so that throws a whole nother little wrench into the ideas. if they're hiding out on Scarif, because I feel like that's going to be the retirement community for all the yeah. clones.
4: Doesn't that throw
1: another wrench into the system if it is Scarif and have yeah. a retirement? Oh. Like, that's one way to get rid of the clones. Yeah,
2: Boca, Boca Reclone. There you go. Not Boca Ratone. Boca Reclone. And, and it's like a that. terrible spot to retire, technically. Right. Like <laughs> bad You said Boca Ratone when you were talking about it. Boca Reclone.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, I, I was really impressed with this this episode. Um, all my, <laughs> I watched Mando first, and I was really glad that I had something that uh, uh, sooth- soothed that dis- disappointment for me. Um, but I thought that it was so nice that we're finally at a place where, like, we've got all of these different characters in different places. And then we actually got an episode where, like, they all appeared, including um, Hot Clone Hauser from... Uh, from Ryloth. It was good to see him again. I want to see more of him. Um, uh, Ryo chuchi my girl. Um, I definitely want more of her. I was really surprised that Rex actually didn't show up, but I'm hoping that we're gonna get more of him. But um I, I just think that like like we're finally in a place for like this storyline where like I've always thought that this show could fulfill like its full potential if it actually did break all of the Bad Batch up and put them in different places. And so I think that we're finally kind of reaping the benefits of that. And it was really nice to see like everybody working together and, and even crosshair, like reaching out, like to, to warn them and stuff. So like, it's nice to see those connections, but also get to see all of these different contexts because our characters are in all of these different settings.
4: I agree. I think this is what we've been waiting for this show to be and it's finally getting there i really like it i want to see i know there's never going to be any like set in stone finale to the story of the clone wars or the clones themselves but i would like to see eventually how this ends and hopefully it ends in a good way for some of the clones i don't really have much hope that it will but hopefully some of them will live a nice happy long peaceful life somewhere
1: Here's where I'm going to ask a question to you, too, because you probably know this better than I. That did not, it looked like Curaçao, but it also didn't look like Curaçao when they were landing. Do you know where the secret clone hideout was? Like, do you know anything about that location?
0: Oh, oh, it, um, where yeah. um, Ryan was?
1: Yes, um, where Chi was, like where they landed. It looked like it was like some sort of desert planet, but then they looked like they kind of went into like the bowels of. Of, um, of like, um, right? So it almost looked like it was like a 1313 type situation within the planet that they were at. So I wasn't sure where they were.
4: Was almost, I almost thought it was the mining planet that they liberated a few episodes ago. Was that this season?
3: Because it had kind of the same
4: thing where they went down, yeah, into the depths of that structure.
0: Yeah, I, I uh, actually I didn't I didn't notice. I guess I I maybe I I missed a couple frames because I just kind of assumed it was Coruscant. But um, I mean, I suppose that it, you know it probably makes sense, especially after you know um, Ryo is making waves on Coruscant. Like maybe they did go somewhere else. I just kind of assumed that mate that you know she's she's still a senator, so she's still on Coruscant. I thought so. I just kind of assumed that that's where they're at.
1: Right, but once they landed, it didn't, like, it was a daytime setting, and I just, like, it didn't look like anything that I had seen from Coruscant in the past, Um, but it does look like they're going into a tube, like they're going underneath, just like they would go into, like, 1313, so it just, I was just interesting if somebody else caught that.
0: Yeah, I'll have to go back and, and look at it again. Now I'm, now I'm interested to see what I missed, so, um, yeah, but, but, uh, you know did anyone else think
1: that the did anybody else think that the um the nurse i'll call her a nurse for lack of a better term the female doctor that was in the room with crosshair was actually trying to aid crosshair for a hot minute i
4: thought she, i thought first at first she left his hand on, on purpose right but then it didn't seem that way so i'm i'm not entirely sure I think maybe she might have had a plan and she was trying to get him to play along or to follow what she was saying. But um, he didn't listen to her, so I'm not entirely sure. She also seemed to perk up quite a bit at the mention of Omega and another female clone. So I've read, you know, quite a few people theorizing that she is a clone. She does kind of have the eyebrow thing. Once you see the clone eyebrows, it kind of just sticks with you. But um, I don't know. Maybe we'll get a little more of her story but then again maybe not I don't I don't know and one thing I really liked about this episode is that you can always tell the bad guys by the way like they say certain words like the the first Imperial said I can't even say Schedule. it like yeah Schedule. it's like that and I'm like oh okay. they're all British he's a bad guy
0: they're all British right right I mean, yeah I, mean,
4: I, I get that but still it's just that instant okay that's a bad guy yeah he's got the imperial voice which of course like you said is British
0: that's yeah i i don't know i i'm interested to see what they're doing i personally think that the uh the uh scientist was just caught off guard and didn't want to get shot um there is that but uh i don't know we'll see i i hope that uh I don't know. I, I, I feel like Star Wars is just such a strange franchise because it is kind of like they just throw everything up on the wall and then some things will get followed up on. And then there's just, you know, so many characters that pe- even people might get interested in that just never show up again.
1: So one other thing was um, when Echo said that he knows a guy. Did you think it was tech? Because that's what I thought. But then in my back of my head is, how the hell does he know where tech is at? So how did, like, so how have Echo and tech been in con- in connection? Like, how did Echo know to go?
4: Right, because the whole thing with Star Wars has always been that you can't send communications from planet to planet because they're so easily intercepted. You, it, I, I don't really know. Because you would think that, And I guess that's one thing, you know, that I don't understand about the show is it always are they searching for the Bad Batch or are they not searching for the Bad Batch? Because you think simple things like communications would get uh, intercepted, especially especially if they're coming from Coruscant with these clones and, you know, that are working against the Empire. So my
1: answer to that question is because of when crosshair went to the communication system or the communication little terminal. He sent out a communication using the clone 99 secret, uh, communication frequency. So they could have been communicating in a frequency that no one else knows about. So therefore an in a, and in a coded language that no one else would also note about notice because the only thing that he could get out was order 88, right? Something like that. Right. So uh. what is order 88? Like,
4: he said it, and I can't think of what it what...
1: Does It Does it let them go back to like a situation where they were in a situation where they got bamboozled or backstabbed because of it? Or is it, hey, be on the lookout because they're coming to find you? Like, what is it about 88? Because obviously that was a coded message that tech was able to interpret. They're trying to interpret it. But what exactly? I'm curious as to what the hell that actually was.
4: Uh, tech picked up that they were being hunted. Uh, but yeah, it was 88, but I can't think of what he called it, and that's going to bother me.
1: I thought it was Order 88 because it made me think of Order 66, but like it could
4: have been Plan 88, otherwise Plan 88. known as the Seeker. We are being targeted. Yeah, because he also said, but it was cut off, was they didn't get the part where he said, you have to hide.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I just think that, like, the, you know, I I, I get really in, deep, in the deep weeds with the storytelling and character aspects. Um, for me, when it comes to those moments of, like, oh, how did this happen? And and uh you know you know like like i think that you guys might be a little bit better at like finding the plot holes because that would never occur to me like how did echo know where tech is i would just assume that's either meant to be implied that they communicated somehow or i mean honestly there's just so much with shows like this that it's kind of like everything's in service to the plot there's there's so much that Like, even when it comes to, like, trying to establish things like how people communicate. I mean, there's an episode of The Clone Wars where um, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin are running and they are communicating to Coruscant, to Mace and, and Yoda. They're on another planet and they're using their wrist comms. I'm like, so we've just we've made what are essentially like radios into... You know these, but, but it's again all in service of the plot. So I don't know. I I think that there's always going to be inconsistencies with right. That but then
4: Obi Wan couldn't use his ship's communication to call Coruscant. He had to call Anakin to call Coruscant. So that's where I get lost with the whole communication thing. You know, in Rogue One, they said we can't send a communication in Imperial space. Uh, you know, Princess Leia couldn't send the plan or you know something to Yavin Forge. He had to. Personally go there so that it wouldn't get intercepted. But yeah, I mean it it's it's just part of the plot. You just gotta look past it and go with it.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is that I mean, in general, when these things kind of happen, I just I try when I do see things that do bother me, I try to just tell myself that these stories are just supposed to be viewed more mythically. So when it comes to like any anything that's like, oh, like the the one that comes to mind is like Mandalore is is um like on the outer rim, but when Obi Wan needs to get there to go rescue Satine, it happens and like that. And it's just like there there's no sense of time. There's no sense of any of this. So I just kind of go like, like the the one thing that bugged me too with uh, the last episode of Mando is that they watch the raptor take this kid away. And then they like go to try to find it. And then they're like, oh, we know it's up there. Let's make camp and we'll be down here. Hopefully he doesn't eat him in the night. And and (laughs) And then then they
1: set the plan. Then they have a big committee to set the plan.
0: And then they fly off and then
1: have to climb up. And, and then you regurgitates
0: the he to kid. kid. Yep, and and so like like I, I, when that happens, like I'm sitting there going, "Oh, this is so dumb. Why are they doing this?" And then I like I just I do try to remind myself, like, okay, it's all in service to the plot. So we're we you know there's obviously a reason to do this. What we're we're supposed to get is some kind of moment, some kind of character moment, <laughs> some something. And and what we did get was the the scene around the fire. <laughs> You know, established a little bit, but I'm just like, there's a kid up there. <laughs> Hopefully
3: he doesn't mean yeah. it but oh well. yeah,
2: that that's all I could think about when Paz Vizla was <laughs> tripping his way across the branches. It was just so like, funny. you guys could have just used your damn jetpacks when you went up there now.
0: I know! You and didn't just, need like...
2: to do all this, you know, free climber shit. You could have just freaking just flown up there and been fine. But, and they're, you know... they're,
0: they're, like, they're like, we can't use, we, we can't bring the Comrick any further because it'll hear us. And then they like trek like all over hours. And then we can't use our jetpacks to go up because it'll hear us. And then when they get up there, the raptor's not even there. (laughs)
2: no that was that was absolutely hilarious hey and it's another star wars story of running out of gas just like the last jedi you know they ran out of gas Fuel usage you're muted alfie i want to hear what you had to say about that that was the first
4: thing i thought of in bad batch you're on this remote planet that has nothing but this little fishing village and we've we've established in canon that we have to have fuel now and it's really precious and you'll run out but here we are just doing flying lessons you know burning the heck out of this fuel you know firing no. the thrusters at full speed doing the, the tech turn
1: timeline at that time fuel's not a problem because that is in early empire whereas in the sequels when you fuel becomes about an solo. Issue, is in is it in solo 2 damn
4: yeah
0: yeah it's still <laughs> 10 years away i guess damn it
2: Damn it. I thought I had a point. Fuel and Star Wars. You gotta love it.
0: Well, I think that, you know, unless anybody's got any other comments about Bad Batch, I think that, you know, we could just kind of wrap up quickly with uh, any other general Star Wars news that has been coming out. Um, So anybody have any other comments about Bad Batch?
3: No, not about Bad Batch.
1: (laughs) Not about Bad Batch, but I do want to know there is something that the rest of the Rule of the Galaxy fan or co host would love to be able to attend, but don't have the ability to, yet the Duchess is going to be attending. So can you hit us with this Disney or the Disney <laughs> Star Wars celebration that's going to take place over in London and uh, run us through what you're expecting, what you like, how long you're going to be there. Is there anything that you've signed up as far as experiences? Do they have those things? Give us some of that background.
0: Yes, I am going to Star Wars Celebration. I'm very excited and very nervous. This is kind of the first big trip that I've ever taken by myself. Um, I'm going and I'm meeting a friend who um, I met through Star Wars, met met online. We've never met in real life, but uh, we're very close. We consider each other sisters, and so I'm going to go and stay with her. We're attending the convention together. Um, It just worked out perfectly since she's she lives in London, so. That's great. I'm going to have a little bit of extra time to go and and hopefully do some just I, I'm, I'm hoping to get beyond just touristy things because I've been there twice. So, you know, I don't need to see the Tower of London again and things like that. But just to kind of experience London in a deeper way than I, I have in um, the couple of trips I've taken in the past where it was very, very quick. Um, so then I'm I'm yeah, I'm heading out um, first Sunday in April and then the convention starts um, it's friday saturday sunday monday and so we're attending all four days um in general we are both just kind of going in with very limited expectations we're not we're not we don't want to set anything up that we could be disappointed about so really the biggest thing for me is that i'm going for the high republic stuff i'm creating my cosplay um, i'm going to be lena so from the high republic she's got two giant Targons, her, her giant lion tar- lion tiger cats, and I'm making both of them and they are about three feet by four feet <laughs> and they're very big. Um, yep, so that that's a thing. And so I'm very excited to go because all of the authors will be there. And so there'll, there'll be a High Republic panel. There will be a High Republic, like an, an official meetup to take pictures and and whatnot. And then there'll be some fan stuff that's going on as well. So that those that is really the only thing that I have on my schedule that like I have to be there. And thankfully, uh, with something like that, I don't think that there would there be a chance that I, I wouldn't get into panels like that.
1: Are right. you shipping them or are you packing them? I'm because packing that's my them.
3: Bra-
0: I'm I'm packing them, and I. Are they air filled? No, they are. They are made of fleece, and so they're relatively thin. And then what I so I am going to stuff their feet and and maybe some of their the head, but in general, I'm going to stuff most stuff most of it once I get to London. But they're not that big. They lay flat because the inside there there's a there's going to be a zipper down the back and then they're my they're my uh bags because i need i they're going to be what what they're going to be is they're gi- they are giant stuffed animal marionettes and so they will hang off of my arm you know like I'll, I'll have them attached here and i i won't really have use of my arm so i needed something for to carry a bag so i thought i'd make both of these giant lions um my bags, so so that's that's what uh I'm planning to do hopefully that's what works I'm still in the process of creating them so it's kind of a it's it's hard to talk about these things without it actually um it just kind of still exists in my head so that's I
1: pictured a -a build-a-bear I pictured you were making a -a build-a-bear that you were gonna then have to transport over there like two giant build-a-bear animals so. they,
0: that's what they kind of are like like when you go to build a bear and you see the animals before they're stuffed like that's right that's kind you're of doing what it they before
1: they're stuffed i was thinking a fully stuffed build a bear that's where my brain was at yeah. I was like how are you gonna like she'd
4: have like, to like, buy them a plane ticket right like how are you gonna get it over <laughs> there like
1: are you gonna do like a drop ship and get it over there a couple of day weeks before to your friend that lives over in london and, like
0: yeah no anyway that's, so that's... I, i'm just hoping that it'll it'll fit into the you know i'm just bringing you know a big suitcase but that's all i'm bringing so um just gotta pack light otherwise and then uh just give us much room to be able to kind of fold up these giant cats and my costume for lena and uh that's that's what i'm planning <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully it works um but i'm i'm very excited to do that i've been told by you know i've, I've talked to Kevin scott now and and, uh, and um he's mentioned that you know, he's never seen a Lena cosplayer. I can't find any record of it. So um, it's kind of fun to know that I'm the first person in the world who has ever taken on a cosplay like this. So I'm creating all of my own patterns. I, I'm kind of teaching myself how to do a lot of this as I go along. I have some sewing background, but you know, I'm teaching myself how to put in a zipper. I'm teaching myself how to um, use stabilizer on, on the fleece for these Targon so that they don't just flop all over the place. Um, and so that's that's been kind of fun. I just wish I had a little bit more time because I'm getting down to the wire and I still don't have that much that's actually been created. So but but that's that's my that's really my only goal for Star Wars Celebration. And I, I just don't think that you can go in with any other expectations because you you might not get into anything. In terms of like the, the biggest, um, um, like the main stage events, um, the the earliest um, events in the day are all done by lottery. And I think that they do that so that you, they won't have long key, uh, long uh, lines before the con actually opens. And so they, they do a lottery. You go in. I hear that you can stay there uh-huh. <laughs> and so if somebody's just like gonna hunker down and and you know bring some food in and whatnot like they could stay there all day but everything else is just like going lining up probably for long periods of time and trying to get a seat in um a space that I've been told like this isn't the largest convention center space in terms of where celebration has been held in the past so I'm a little bit nervous That's it seems like a lot of people I, and it's just going to be you know, huge crowds every single day. But um, I figured that as long as I don't really have any um, expectations, then I can't be disappointed. I'm happy that they're they are going to be streaming a lot of the panels. Which in that case, I'm just kind of like, who cares? I don't. I'd, I'd rather probably watch things on my phone anyway, instead of being in the nosebleed sections and trying to look down and you know see you and McGregor or something like that. So. Um, that's that's all I'm planning to do, and um, I think that uh, if I just go in with that and and go to meet people that I've met on Twitter and that kind of stuff, I think that I'll have a great time.
3: Yeah,
2: I'm really excited for you to go to this. I mean, obviously you have it all planned out, and I can kind of see a little slimmer of our, or a little shimmer of your little dress back there in the corner, is what I think I see. Well, it's
0: this, yeah, dress form here. The, the the all of the material is. Uh, is here because it still hasn't been created you awesome. can see there's uh lena's headdress up there so that's
2: that is so cool
0: that's where we're, i love where we're it going with... i
2: absolutely love it I, I i i love me i love the idea of creating star wars stuff because <clears throat> like I, I that's why i'm into the legos i love building ships and things that have to do with star wars i love watching videos of people who do the costume work on YouTube. It's like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Adam Savage from uh, Mythbusters, but like his channel Tested goes into like all the backstories of movies and everything. And like I love cosplaying too. Never have done it myself. I think I might do Cal Kestis at one point because he's a Ginger Jedi and like there's not many Ginger Jedis. So Cal Kestis is like number one on my list if I ever do it. But I just can't wait to have you host a show on here and tell us everything that you saw on that trip there. Like, we're just going to be like, all right, what else did you see? And then just sit here and listen, probably <laughs> like, it's going to be cool. And you might hear those movie announcements, you know, you, you never know. I like your expectations going in, you know, like you're, you're going to have a great time no matter what I'm pretty sure, obviously, but you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for you to meet some star Wars friends, which, I'll be doing soon at the ICCC. I finally get to meet these guys here. So it's exciting. Yeah, That's,
0: that's really, exciting. Uh, when is I triple C?
4: Um, uh, end of May, May end- 25th, 29th.
1: Got to Sorry, I was that. muted. It's the, it's Memorial day weekend. So what is that? 26 through 29.
0: Okay. Yeah. So and, end of May.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That'll be fun. I, uh, I'd I'd love to get back there too, but you know, I just don't think that I can uh, factor that into my uh, budget or my schedule, but you've got
2: stuff to do. It's
1: okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I I mean,
0: I, it is fun to see the um, guest list that's shaping up for that too. It seems like they're, they've got some all uh, rebels all the time, man. That's what I, yeah, exactly. I I love that. I think there's one
1: more to be announced. I think like this Friday may be the last of their big announcements before they just keep kind of peppering in the smaller announcements. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
2: So exciting stuff. Good stuff.
0: Anybody have any thoughts on uh, you know we got what we have the the rumors about the movies, but uh, I mean I, I guess okay okay how about this you know they are going to announce things at Celebration you know I'm sure that they'll have you know updates on Ahsoka you know um, it'll be kind of fun because Mando will still be airing when we go um, but uh, what are what would you guys like to see announced either about projects we already know about or projects that we don't?
4: Hmm. No announcements.
0: You don't want any announcements?
4: (laughs) No, I want, I I don't want anything until there's an actual trailer and pre-sale tickets at this point. I I mean, at the same
1: point, like didn't they have a trailer ish for that Boba Fett movie back in like Oh six or Oh seven, something like that.
4: Yeah, it didn't air. They had one ready.
1: Oh, okay. I thought they aired it. Um, so, yeah. Like, they had I'm one ready, but I, the
4: director went schizo during the filming of Fantastic Four. So that's when that got axed the first time.
1: I just want there to be something before you start talking about it, right? I mean, the fact that we're on all of these websites, the fact that the, we, because we talk about it for an hour a day, we know a lot more than the average fan. Like I, I talked to a bunch of fans that I work with they have no idea about Ahsoka coming out. They had no idea about the Acolyte. They've never even heard of the Acolyte, right? And those are things that we've been hearing about and knowing that they're shooting and filming and even know that there's production problems with the uh, the skeleton crew. They had no idea that the skeleton tr- crew crew is coming out, right? So the average fan who's not plugged in has no idea. So what I want is just having when it's finished, then give me, like when it's finished shooting, then give me the trailer and stop like leaking the information or if there is leaks, because you're never gonna stop that because that's the way the movie industry works, because it's gotta create buzz in some way, shape, or form. Ah, I just get frustrated. I, I don't care about anything that is said until I know for sure that it is on a date and there is a release date.
0: But that's yeah. the thing, is that I like I I I it just the leakers just make me sick. Like it, it just I think it ruins the fandom experience. And so when you say things like that, like I don't want to hear anything until things have a date, it's like that's that's the problem is that we don't have the chance to even do that like the it's the casual fans who don't who aren't on twitter that actually have the leg up on us because they don't have to get excited about something that eventually we find out either wasn't true in the first place or gets canceled
2: yeah yeah definitely i mean uh, from what I from what I've seen, they they were saying there was three movies to be announced. One that's in limbo or or like having issues, which we already learned about this week with the writers changing to the writer who wrote Peaky Blinders, which Peaky Blinders is one of my favorite shows that I've ever watched. So I'm kind of excited to think that they'll be writing for Star Wars. It's technically not like a big step back in my opinion, uh, but. I didn't know that they were talking about announcing three movies. So no, that's it's
0: just a leak. It's like it's it's. I don't believe it at all because it hasn't been suggested even by the most reputable sites.
2: I'll take one. I don't care. I I I want a director walking on the stage saying, "I'm making this movie." It's probably going to be Taika Waititi, which I'm fine with it because I think Taika Waititi's been playing with us this whole time. I think his movie has been written. He's always just like, "Uh, "Yeah, I think I might," you know. I got to work on that movie a little bit or whatever. And that's just his personality. He's a pretty weird dude. Like, and he's made a lot of really good stuff. And then he's he's one of the three. Yeah. He's made some really good stuff. And then he's also like Thor Love and Thunder was not my favorite movie. Like, I thought it was pretty good. But like, I also kind of am a weirdo and liked the older Thor movies, which a lot of people didn't like. So like, I don't know he has different visions for different things. I think he's hilarious. I think he's good in the lane that he is good in. Uh, would I give him the thought? Like, uh, what would a Star Wars Taika Watiti movie look like? I don't know, but my ass will be sitting in the seat when it comes out. That's all I know. So I hope it happens, basically. Uh, but <clears throat> I don't know. I hope we just get one movie announcement. I'm I'm clamoring for movies so bad because I just want that extra production value in it. I want the feeling of going to a Star Wars movie on opening night. Like I want it so badly. And I mean, people wanted that for a long time between the original trilogy and the prequels. So like a lot longer than now, it's just like, since Disney has such a big budget and you think they're going to do so much stuff with it, which they have, they've done a lot of shows. I just want to see a movie, uh, which they've done those too. But I don't know if you guys saw Lucasfilm basically said Indiana Jones is killed after this like not like not in the movie but they're just like don't make any more indiana jones after after this which nothing but star wars yeah which is pretty uh i don't know Uh, i feel like that's probably a little disheartening for lucasfilm because those guys do like there you know there is more to lucasfilm than just star wars but uh yeah i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see i have a lot of hope i'm gonna keep the
4: hope I have a lot of hope, but I don't know. It's dwindling. This next movie, I I just think there's too much pressure for the next movie. One, you know, it's got to be a Star Wars movie. It has to feel like Star Wars, but it also has to be good enough to continue the story or make, you know, Disney invest in making more movies. So you know and and that's part kind of the thing that frustrates me in watching mando is to me mando seems so star wars like these guys get it yeah maybe this season isn't quite what we want i get that but for the most part it just feels so familiar and so enjoyable i don't understand how somebody like can make 6 hours of i think is pretty good science fiction movies out of like 30 seconds of content in the first alien movie but that guy can't you know come up with a good star wars movie i i, I just don't understand i'm not a writer so you know i can't judge anyone but it just seems just strange to me that no one can get past the writing stage in making a star wars film
0: it doesn't really surprise me i think that Star Wars has had a perpetual problem ever since the Disney merger. And that problem is that Star- Disney acquired this massive franchise at the same time that George Lucas retired for good. Filoni was, you know, doing well with Clone Wars, but he wasn't a, a director, especially in live action. And to be honest, Filoni's just not the best writer either. And, 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 regardless even if he was again live action film is very different from animated television but um you know disney wanted to make their money back immediately and so they they went right into the sequels when i think that the i've always said that the better option would have been if they started with a show like the mandalorian and put their feelers out for both writers and directors who could prove that they know the world And that they have a vision that's going to be worthwhile. I'm really cynical about the future of movies. And honestly, I just really don't care about them. Because I'm not convinced that we still have anybody who's proven that they are able to write and direct for the big screen. And that's also kind of another problem too. Which is that I don't think that writers and directors need to be the same. But it feels like, I mean, that's what they did with the sequels. And it does kind of feel like we're still in this era where we want that coming from. Like we want we want the writing and directing to be done by the same person. And I'm just like, oh, just the fact that we like expect that nowadays just kind of tells me that, like, do people even understand that those are like two very, very different jobs? And so for me, what I would love is I, I would love some new writer um who has i don't know like i I don't know where you find them but like someone who can prove that they understand the world and then i would love a director who we've already seen do great work instead of somebody i mean i i think i i'm excited for like taika waititi's show um um movie if it ever gets made but again like he's not really in the thick of it in terms of star wars i don't like i expect that what he has movie would be would be kind of this like splash in the middle of a pond like he's actually said like he's going to like shake up the fan the franchise and so like I I think that like we just kind of have to like take his stuff as it comes what I would like is I would like a new writer and I want Bryce Dallas Howard that's what I want
2: I agree I'm all in on that I would take Bryce Dallas Howard as just single director of the movie all day because mm-hmm. everything she's directed on Star Wars TV shows or streaming shows have been excellent. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, her, her episode uh, in the book of Boba Fett with Mando was awesome. Like, it was great. And I mean, I think she's directed uh, an episode this season, which we haven't seen yet. So I... I, yeah, I not yet. Yeah. So, like, I
3: mean,
1: Tycho did two or three in the first season. Well, and Tycho he did. directed two, like, I think it's two in the first season. I he, could was be wrong numbers, he was in that
4: group. He was in
1: that
3: He was, he he I think one he did the, the last seasons. two.
4: The last two.
1: I mean, but,
0: but he didn't, he didn't write it. He directed, no, no, no,
1: no, no. no he directed, right? No, I'm not, yeah. I, I understand. I, I yeah. support what you're saying. I do agree. I'm just saying that he does have. He he has been in the room with Filoni and Favreau to like, and I say Filoni because Filoni gives you the Star Wars perspective, and Favreau it just knows how to make movies. Man, that dude has had banger after banger, um, like
0: except The Lion King. I
1: will give you The stupid.
4: Lion King. They I agree with money, that.
0: Man. They all make money. It's in like the top twenty-five of like, yeah. A billion the dollar success thing. is still a billion dollar success, even if it's a stupid movie. Correct. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean, the, the dude knows how to
1: make movies, right? Like, I, I mean, I don't think anybody can argue some of like the, some of the better movies. You can sit back and say, are, like, damn, Favreau was part of that. So, um, yeah, like, I'm cool with it, and I think they should be separate. But. Like, give me a release date where I know that it's happening and it's not getting pushed back. And I know that it's in the can and I know that at least they've finished principal photography and that they're just doing pickups and uh, what is it? The voiceover, the edits, there's a, there's a ADR. letter, there's a three letter word I ADR. learned from the CP3PO book. ADR. What is it? ADR. There you go. I, yeah, I knew it from the 3PO book. He talked about it. So I, when, when they're doing that stuff, then, okay, I know that there's some the projects actually there right now. They're not to that point yet. They're in, they're in production limbo.
2: The, the problem is, is we're going to know what drink that the main actress had on a Tuesday when they're filming this movie. That's the problem is we're going to know
4: everything about it once it starts to happen. <laughs> OK, I, I have to admit, I'm part of the problem here because you guys you, Brent and Doc keep talking about like this just stuff just started happening. Brothers, I read the script <laughs> for episode one. OK, on dial up. <laughs> this isn't new. It's not new, but the quantity
1: and the qu- the quantity and the speed at which you get it are way faster.
0: Yeah, it's it's an industry. To that the point, volume, I agree.
1: The volume and the speed are are what make it way more. I, I just want more... you to understand
4: that this isn't something you know that just started. Like, ain't it cool? No. News and Dark Horizons were basically on, you know, at, with the beginning of the internet, posting all of these stories, the and I read them it- all.
0: The difference, though, is that now people are making money off of it. I mean, these these leakers, like, this is their industry. And so, like, yeah, I think that this has always been a part of it, especially if you're going to be online. But, you know, it's it's uh, unfortunate that there's just really no way to kind of... Like, it's hard to even sequester yourself from those leakers, especially when people talk about it. But, like, there's no way to get rid of them because not only have they made it an industry, but there has been kind of the implication that, like, Disney releases, like, like, Disney makes statements through the leakers. And I'm just like, ah, this is the worst.
1: Oh, I know and that. It's hard part to yourself when we have a, we, we talk to a guy every week who is part of the, the leak culture.
4: Are you referring to me?
3: it's no different
2: than the nfl though the nfl like they have a legal tampering period and then like you know then like guys start to sign places even though the off season technically isn't over like it's it's definitely no different than that i don't know i enjoy it and i hate it at the same time right because
4: to me there is a sense of fun in it because like the the mythosaur armor i read about that like over a year ago and it's like why
0: would you do that
4: I don't know. I agree. I don't, want, I don't want anything spoiled for me at all. Because uh, to me, part of the fun is seeing if it does come out to be true.
0: Okay. Okay.
4: Because when I read that, just like when I first read about Grogu way before The Mandalorian came out, I thought that was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard. A family of Yodas? Like, that's what this show is going to be about? Now, granted, the leaker had walked into a room with all of the Grogu, different Grogu's. So, yes, he got it wrong, but in a sense, he was right. I don't know. To me, it's... it's Yeah, you don't want it to be spoiled, but then again, what if it isn't 100% right? Because, like I said, the Mythosaur armor, I thought, that that's the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. Why would Bo-Katan get Mythosaur armor? Let's not go back there. Let's not go back there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I guess we'll see. I'm not really sure what I'm expecting. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm expecting updates on Ahsoka. That's really the thing that we have coming down the pipeline. I hope that Ahsoka doesn't take away from the Mandalorian, you know, finale in the week after that, but...
1: So Ahsoka's confirmed, right? I mean, everyone knows that that's filming. Yeah, they're they're Skeleton Crew is like in filming. I know that there's some production, but like I think they're either done with filming or in production, post production with that one, correct? Or somewhere
4: around there? They're in post production. They're done with principal uh, photography.
1: The Acolyte is being filmed because they showed the Wookiee Jedi in robes. Uh, I believe that was for The Acolyte. So I believe that's at least in filming.
4: Andor Season 2 is filming right now.
0: Yeah, should be finishing up
3: about. So all, but
1: everything we're talking about is small screen Disney Plus. We are not talking about a two and a half hour movie because here's the deal, and this is this is the point, right? Like looking at numbers, like you're talking about the Lion King. Yeah, it's a billion dollars, right? You spend five hundred million and you make a billion and a half, two billion dollars. You make a lot more money if you go into it. And you go in and make a movie like what Dungeons and Dragons is coming out with a movie and Hasbro was trying to cut off the people making the free use the free license so no one else can get the money but Hasbro and the Dungeons and Dragons Wizards of the Coast. If you don't follow any of that drama, that was a drama back in like January, they were trying to shut some stuff off and a lot of it is so that they can control the rights to Dungeons and Dragons if this movie takes off. Right. Because they were expecting they were expecting this to be kind of a blockbuster movie and taking off. So they want to continue to make more of them, but they want to control who's making them and what the content looks like. Um, So anyway, movies are movies are your moneymakers. They make they make tons of money for what the investment is. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see movies, but we got small screen stuff to talk about, though.
0: Yeah, I think that they. I think Yay. that they more gung ho about movies if there was somebody that they were confident could make a movie that wouldn't divide the fandom the way that. I mean, not just the fandom, just fans in general. The way that the sequel trilogy did, um, you know, I, I think that they probably are kind of gun shy in terms of those kinds of things. Though I don't think that they really need to because even the sequels would have been better if it hadn't been the Skywalker saga part three. Like it's not, it's not so much what the sequels were as it was tying it into the already defined Skywalker saga. But so, so like, if, if that's the case, like there is no movie unless, I mean, I suppose that you could go further with the sequels, but there's no plans for that right now um, to bring back those characters. So what we're looking at is something that's entirely um, entirely or at least tan, like generally tangential to the main Skywalker story, which I, I think means that I think that they could probably have a general confidence in the idea that like if they do it well, if it's a good story, if it you know gives, gives the diehard fans something and also just kind of like gets everybody into the theater, I think that they just need to commit to something because I don't think that they can really go wrong.
1: I agree but if they're testing the waters they've already got a little bit of a test case for that too because if you want to talk about it Andor Andor is what you are basically saying is tangentially connected it is not part of the Skywalker Skywalker saga it is a couple rare characters and then they throw in Luthien and all of his little easter eggs behind him he drop they drop a few lines to connect you into the Star Wars world but by and large there's not a huge connection to the star wars world and that got mixed results from most of the fandom if you sit there and listen to the social media fandom now granted social media makes you think that the those voices are the only voices and they're not but if you listen to the fandom it's split from that right so are they really going to get people into the butts and seats if they go with that tangential story
0: i mean they i mean i I understand what you're saying but the thing is is that like yeah Andor. it has been shown that it didn't Do as good with the numbers, but that's because A, it didn't have a legacy character helming it like Penobi and Boba Fett. And yeah, it was tangential, but the thing is, is that people are starved for Star Wars movies. And so I I actually think that it will help if they distance themselves from the sequels just in general. And then, like, there's, there's not really any way to do anything else with the rest of the movies that already exist. So we probably are looking at something that's tangentially connected. And in that, if that's the case, like, I think that if they, like, market it really well and they, like, get the actors that they have, like, out and promoting it, you know, I, I think that people would be willing to come to experience something that generally, like, actually is totally new.
2: hmm yeah, I mean you have actors like Christian Bale and stuff out there saying like I would love to be in a Star Wars movie in my career. Like you have like big name actors who would like to do it. It's just a matter of what story they're going to tell and you have the old republic sitting there right in front of you. It's it's all there. You could make a Game of Thrones style Star Wars story easily with Old Republic but
0: But would you want that in movies?
2: I would take it in movies. I would take a I would take an Old Republic uh trilogy that technically just has nothing like obviously history wise, it would have something to do with what we have going on. But I think you could tell a new story with old Republic like
4: easily, but, and then you could easily fill it in with the series in between based on like the, you know, draw inspiration from the comic run, uh, uh, you know, cause I get what, you know, i see where you're leading with Christian Bale and the old Republic as being Revan. And that would be amazing. So, yeah, I, I think it pretty much writes itself there. I don't I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be an, e- an easier way to go. And it could be because you have cool. source material to build off of.
2: Yeah, like you could show some like old school tech that was in the in right. the galaxy where like, sure, you can build off of the stuff now. But like, it doesn't have to look so much like it technically. Because like, uh, Brent,
4: what do I always say? That's a hold up on the movies. New ideas are hard.
2: <laughs> this is true,
4: right? And that's what I was getting at
1: with Andor, right? Andor is essentially kind of a new idea, no. and it was it was it was lukewarm in its reception, right? I I think it was fantastic. I know that several other people that I talked to think it's fantastic, and it it missed on speed for the most part. Like take probably yeah. three or four episodes out, and it probably would have been a lot better. But. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those tangential stories, and it's kind of,
3: eh. you know, but it's yeah, like if
1: it's a movie. If, if it, you read if into movie, The Force
4: Awakens it's- and it's making, you know, the joke, you know, you hear people say, you know, The Force Awakens is too much like a new hope. Well, it was rewritten like six times because each draft was felt like a new hope. So for it to get to where it was, could you imagine like what the first couple drafts sound, you know, were like to be called a new hope and then the fans to react to what the final product was and say, but,
0: but see, the thing is, is that the sequels are a really interesting case study in terms of trying to judge fan reaction. The force awakens was created as a reaction to the negative reaction to the prequels. At right. that time, there was still a general sense in the greater you know, casual fan dumb that the prequels were not good. The tide was changing for the diehards, especially with Clone Wars and things like that, but that was the point. Then there was a backlash against, like, like Force Awakens was like, like, it wasn't terrible, but people were like, yeah, it was fine, but it was too much like A New Hope. And then, so they, you know, they made a movie that was as far from, you know, Empire Strikes Back as you possibly could. So, like, Last Jedi was very much a reaction to the negative reaction to force awakens and you continue that on to rise of Skywalker. And what I would just like, I, I do think that it will, it will be nice to have something outside the Skywalker saga because we'll just be away from that. And we don't have to worry about the reactions. But my whole problem with the sequels was that they wanted it like they didn't want it to be political. They didn't want it to be like the prequels. And yet we left our characters in we, we left Leia, we left Han, we left Luke, like in positions of power because they had won. And so we pick up 30 years later and they just want them to be rebels again. And so they just plop them down into this context and they don't they don't tell the story of what, what happened in those last those 30 years. My biggest thing with any movie Is that it has to feel grounded in the universe and that's the thing that the sequels just totally failed at and that so now we get all of these books that that are cropping up and even mando and stuff like that where it's like people are trying to retroactively add in that context to the sequels and I'm just like you you can make a good movie. But the biggest thing is that you have to make it feel like it's actually rooted in this universe that already exists. And for me, it's just like the the sequels just weren't really interested in doing that. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, where they're going, like what decisions will be made at this point. It's just hard to know. But I will still say that, like, I think that in general, Star Wars will benefit from the fact that we're not getting more of the Skywalker saga.
1: I will just, your, one point to that is Clone Wars. If Clone Wars didn't happen, the prequels still have the hate. Or the other thing is, I think it's F.J. Santos on Ripple Force Radio who made a Transformer story. And each season of the Transformer stories, they hated the first season because it was different from the one before. But, then we made the second season. They're like, Oh, the first season's okay. But I hate this season because it's worse than the one before. Then we made the third season. He's like, Oh, we love the first season. The second season's okay, but we really hate the third season. And that's kind of the way fandom go. Like you have to hate, like as the new succession happens, if you think it like, look at a lot of fandoms and it, it happens that way. Like there is a, there is this, like, it wasn't, it wasn't my, it wasn't mine. I didn't agree with it, but I'm okay with it now because I, there's two things that, Clone Wars helped the clone, clone Wars helped the prequels and the sequels helped the prequels and both of those things made all of the haters of the prequels actually fall in love with the prequels
0: yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. I like that you, you say, like, the two things that helped the prequels were the Clone Wars, which was a positive help, like it was actually something that helped the prequels in an active sense. And then the negative aspect of like, oh, the sequels suck, so I'm going to like the prequels more. And it's just like weird because, I mean, that that is also what happens just like with the passage of time, you know, as you know people grow up like you know ewan mcgregor continually talks about the fact that like you know there was so much backlash from the prequels but he he notes that the people who like it now are mostly generally younger people the people who grew up with it and didn't see it as something that was controversial and i think that 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 eventually will happen with the sequels as well because there are many young people who grow up with the sequels and they'll just see everything as coming together no matter what older fans see as as disconnected and so like for me i think that the biggest thing though is that if that's the way fandom is and generally it is you know it's it's you know it's fans coming in with lots of expectations and wanting certain things to happen and then getting disappointed then the best thing that they can do is to not try to cater to anybody at all don't try to you know make you know force awakens not like the prequels don't try to make last Jedi in reaction to the reaction to Force Awakens. Just tell a good story. And if it's accepted well, then that's fabulous. And if it's not, it's fine. It'll eventually be appreciated for something.
2: I agree. I can get down with that.
4: I agree, but I think we'll see a Luke Skywalker before we see anything new. That's just my opinion.
0: I really hope not.
4: Oh, I am 100% agreeing with you, but I don't, I have a bad feeling that that will be the Hail Mary to try to right the ship.
0: You
2: have a bad feeling about this? I
0: have a bad feeling about this. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's the part that is, is really hard is, is when tides change. But again, Lucasfilm is too interested in what something, like how people reacted initially. So, I mean, like, I think that you're probably absolutely right if we get more of the characters that we already know it's going to be ai and as somebody who has you know i'm an actor i'm a writer i'm seeing all of these ai things and i'm scared like this is i absolutely don't like it terrifying. at all I'm but what against
2: yep. it totally, totally. <laughs> i don't like yeah. it
0: <laughs> it's 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 scary and the thing that scares me most is the willingness for you know big companies like disney who just see it as a money-making venture and they're like oh solo didn't do well and so i guess we won't recast people and i'm like yeah but as as the years have gone on the tide actually has changed where like solo is actually appreciated for a lot of reasons and i really like the casting decisions in that movie to the idea that like we could get full-length movies that actually don't have a real person starring in them is yeah. just it just makes me shiver. It's just terrible.
2: What what are you gonna do on premiere night? Are you gonna have like one of the uh, old school rolly carts with a screen on it of uh, the CGI version of the actor? Like when you're walking in, like I don't know. I did enjoy seeing like Luke's face redone. Absolutely, like I thought it was cool. But at the same time, when I saw the guy who played the like body figure of him, I'm just like it could have just been that guy, and I would have been fine with it there's good actors out there who can continue these legacy characters and create their own name for themselves. commit
4: to it.
0: And, and how sad for, um, you know, we've, I think we've had three different Luke's just in the, the, um, appearances that he's had in Mando and Boba Fett. And while I think that there is kind of like people, there are people who seek out those actors and like, Oh, I like to appreciate them in general. They're not stars. They'd be stars if they were Luke Skywalker. And so like that just, again, as an actor, I just go, why on earth would you basically hamstring the ability to have a new younger star portray a character that is already beloved? Why why on earth would you want to to just say no to all of that and just say, oh, we are going to create a computer Luke Skywalker and assume that people are just going to accept that?
3: Yeah.
2: I, I don't know I don't get it. The movie stars movie stars make people money uh, too. Like look at look at Tom Cruise. Every like no matter what people show up to see like Tom Cruise movies because he's a movie star. Yeah. Like you can still create movie stars. Like but I I don't know I, I don't I don't know. I I'm totally on board with recasting. That is one thing I will say. It's cool to see it. That Luke Skywalker scene was one of the coolest things I've ever seen with Star Wars. There's no doubt about that for me,
4: but I'm all in for recast. Yeah, I don't want to see that for two and a half hours. It was cool for a two minute scene, but I don't want to see an entire movie that way. Yeah. Well,
0: the thing is, is that at this stage, they can't you know a- ai is is progressing and it's scary how fast it's progressing but there is a reason why luke skywalker is the one that we got an ai face of and it's because as a jedi he's pretty neutral faced try to try to do that with with a character who's you know very emotive you can't do it it won't look good and you'll get the same effect of like the early cgi or the 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 early ai um, portrayals of Tarkin and Leia. like like you will get that and I'm not saying that it'll never happen, but right now Disney is not in a place to do that because it they just can't. And I think that it would be great if they would just say, that's not something that we're committed to. Just recast the characters.
4: Just recast, but commit to it. Yeah, yeah go all in on it. I agree. Yeah,
2: pick your guy and, and say you're our guy and that's it. Yep. you're our writer. And- You're our director. You're our star of the movie. Let's go like that. And, and no, no rewriting. No, like this is it. Let's ride and see what happens. You have nothing to lose at this point. You've already fired how many writers and, and switched how many directors. Just say we're, we're choosing you guys. You guys are our guys. And that's it. Like if you're a director going into a star Wars movie, you don't know if it's going to happen. If you're a writer going in, you're expecting to probably get axed. It's like, I, I, it's like a freaking buzzsaw. Like, a, I don't know. They just need to just get some consistency. But there's probably going to be a shakeup in management soon. So we'll we'll see what the future holds.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think that, you know, in general, that is, that is actually how the entertainment industry does work. You never really know if you're going to finish a project that is right. that you start on. But, I mean, I think that the bigger thing is that, like, I think that we just need to like like Lucasfilm whoever's making these decisions just they just desperately need to stop trying to anticipate the way fans are going to react because that has not gotten them anywhere in terms of being successful. So, just find somebody who can tell a good story, get a director, you know, who has proven that they can direct especially in Star Wars and I just say go for it. They're they're kind of just faffing around and not making any decisions and I just kind of go like you i i i personally really do like the tv show model i do wish that there was more of an emphasis on live action or or a, um um filming on location as opposed to using the the uh, volume i i loved andor thought it was fabulous if everything could be like andor then i mean honestly like for, for me i'm just kind of like i don't really need movies i think that they're a lot of waiting for two and a half hours and then they're done or they're or there's a a cliffhanger and then you have to wait another two years um but in general i'm just kind of like okay well you know disney's got some decisions to make now that mando is kind of like this whole like favroni verse is like in motion like this is going to keep going and so now that they they just have to decide like what is the rest of the landscape going to look like in terms of film and in terms of other forms of media so it'll be interesting and maybe we will get some news at celebration and maybe we won't and maybe it would be better if we didn't if this is still stuff that just isn't in production at all i agree with brent on that so any other comments all right well thanks to our our uh, listeners and and especially the people who jumped in to comment Uh, it was fun to be able to see people reacting in In real time and uh definitely come back next week for the uh 200th episode that'll be a lot of fun and um you know in in everything just you know stay happy healthy and continue to love star wars so um have a great night guys and uh may the force be with you